0: The Wet Wired Podcast, premium episode number three, Air Nazi. I'm Sean Andes. And I'm Julian Paul Butt. This week, we're talking with Carl Maymer. He's the host of the Conspiracy Skeptic Podcast and author of the recently published book, The Skeptic's Book of Lists. He's a deep well of knowledge for all things conspiracy theory. We're going to be talking about the history of hollow earth movements, notorious neo-Nazi Ernst Zündel. Holocaust denial and secret Nazi bases in Antarctica. I, I would definitely like to welcome you to our show. So thank you very much for coming on, and I really appreciate the uh, the the chance to be able to talk with you about this stuff. And I want to let everybody know that they definitely should buy your book. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. It is so good. Oh, oh, I appreciate it. Today, I think we're going to be talking about Ernst Zundel and Hollow Earth as a gen, and a, at least in general. I really like this because it ties. It, it really does tie in with a lot of the kind of grifter aspect of things that that we like talking about on our show. Yeah. So, I, I guess with that said, you know, take us away, Carl. Yeah, yeah. So,
1: uh, yeah, you know, Ernst Zundel. I mean, I, I should say I am I am Canadian. Uh, I live kind of in a suburb of a suburb of, of Toronto. Um, uh, I, 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 we sort of were talking offline. I, I did spend some time living in uh, in the greater Seattle area, uh, and that was that was sort of cool. So when I sort of discovered uh, Julian was in Seattle, I'm like, oh, I like these people instantly. But uh, <laughs> but i will say, you know what? I, I, your podcast is. I love the name of your podcast, Wet, Wet Wired. It is it is so um, you know William Gibson late. 80s
0: early 90s that that whole cyberpunk era i mean that's oh you are the first one to notice that too literally if any if anybody else has noticed that they haven't said a word oh, about okay. it yeah i mean that's what sort of really
1: <laughs> attracted and then i loved your whole like you know yeah you know kind of grift angle and stuff like that but but yeah so uh yeah Ernst i mean a lot of this sort of fell out um i i was i was initially working on a book about canadian conspiracies and either was going to be called something like The 20 Greatest Canadian Conspiracies of All Time, or a possible subtitle was uh, You Can Have My Health Card When You Pry It From My Cold Dead Hands. And it was going to be kind of a... It was meant to be a primer for my American cousins who, whenever something goes crazy in America, a lot of them look north to Canada, and they kind of see Canada as this escape hatch to sanity. And I'm like... Yes, but, right, you know, like, like, we got, we, we've got our crazies
0: there, but, you know, it's like, it's like someone. I don't know. After, after Ottawa, they might not do that so much anymore. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, you know that might be, yeah.
2: But, I
1: mean, that, that aside, it's, it's like, we do, we've got our crazies, but we, we kind of, sh- kind of just we kind of file off the extreme right and the extreme left and but yeah. we still have yeah so so i it was kind of a primer for so sort of like i said for my american cousins that you know look we do have conspiracies here and they're very similar to yours and you know they have they have certain you know certain unique canadian uh you know f- you know sort of bents to them but uh but you know so if, if, you, if you do somehow decide i'm moving to canada just you know, brace yourself. But also explaining a lot of you know the Canadian political process and all that kind of stuff. And and uh, but then I'm like, you know what? Like I got a I got a job. I've got I'm married. I've I've got a stepdaughter, two cats, a uh, fish that has just actually passed away today. But uh, I'm sorry I, to hear not, that. Yeah, I know, sad. But uh, uh, sad. I, I don't have the time to kind of devote to like a hardcore, very serious book. And then uh, when COVID hit, I'm like. And I'm 55, right? So uh, even when COVID hit, I was probably 53 or something. And, you
2: know, I'm, I'm
1: I'm getting there. And and I don't know. You guys aren't quite that age, I believe. But when you get older, you just wake up at 5.30 every morning. And now that I'm working for home, I'm waking up at 5.30. And I'm not getting on a commuter train into, into the city. And I go, I've just got no time. And I discovered there's this whole subculture of old dudes like me that just hang out in mcdonald's every day and, uh, <laughs> and then when you know when there's lockdowns they can't get into mcdonald's and then they just they look for any place in you know my town where they can just congregate and drink a coffee and complain about stuff and i'm like i, I can't i can't do this so i'm like I'm going to write a book in this every morning and every evening that I normally spent commuting. I'm going to write a book. What is something kind of much more light and easy to do? And that's when I hit on the whole you know book of lists i i idea. And um and then I kind of use some of that material in in uh, in my book the. Skeptic's book of lists available on Amazon.com. Uh, but uh, but um, yeah, and uh <laughs> yeah, plug away for yeah, sure. Oh, thank, yeah. you, thank you, thank you, so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, my you know my my running joke is like yeah, I'm not I'm not going to get rich on this, but let me if I can uh, if I can make enough to af- get afford an oil change. That is, I I have achieved some level of success for a skeptical author. I think you would be going to pay for an oil change with your royalties. Boom! You are like you're in the top one percent. But um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so yeah, uh, so and so uh, Ernst Zundel in my Canadian conspiracies book, and you know, in um in my my skeptics book, the list I, he pops up a number of times, and he is like he is like um well, I, th- I think I think David Gorski. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's a kind of a skeptical blogger, and he coined the term crank magnetism, just the idea that that you know. People who hold one crank idea end up just gravitating to every other crank idea out there. and, and, and
0: Absolutely. You know, oh, we've
1: noticed. Yeah. yeah. And, and Ernst Zündel is just a kind of a, a brilliant example of that. He died in 2017. So we. can I swear on your show? Oh, go ahead. As much as you okay, want. yeah. Because I, I can't start again. We can talk smack about him. But uh, since, but I since I can swear, we can talk all kinds of shit about them. So uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so he died in 2017. We got no worries about this. This dude trying to come back and, and, and sue us. But uh, but he yeah. might haunt us. Yeah, he just. This is true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he was a. Uh, I mean, his probably his his people probably know him best as basically um, kind of one of Canada's major sort of Holocaust uh, denialists. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He. Um, he was quite sort of famous, famous for 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 that. I mean, he believed in a whole bunch of other sort of wacky stuff. But one of his more interesting things um, was he, uh, you know, he was one of the people that really kind of propagated the idea of um, Earth is hollow. Uh, the Nazis have a base in uh, Antarctica, you know, the, the South Pole, and they've got super advanced weapons and UFOs at the base and it, it's, it's actually an entrance to a hollow earth and, and, and stuff like that. And, um, I'll, I'll get into kind of more details, but I kind of wanted to sort of maybe review a bit of the, uh, uh, the history of hollow earth, if, if, if that's okay. And then, Oh, so we'd like, love it.
0: Go. Yeah. Kind, of, kind yeah, of, go, go back as far as going, you want to yeah, go too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so yeah, so I think a sort of understanding where hollow earth came in and I, and how, um, A lot of neo-Nazis sort of adopted it, I think, could kind of be kind of helpful. But, um, you know, like, I I think right about the 17th century, uh, you know, Hollow Earth. Hollow Earth was not a bad idea up until about the 17th century. Uh, Edmund Haley, you know, Mr. Haley's Comet, one thing he noticed was that uh, um, uh, compasses, right, you know, the little needles, they they kind of vary Mm -hmm. depending where you are, right? And, And he couldn't really kind of explain it. And his idea was that oh maybe the Earth is like hollow, a bunch of concentric shells, and all these different shells are rotating, and this is causing you know the the, the compass point to kind of vary. Not a bad not a bad theory uh, for 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 the time, but then um, what the uh, and I'm going to ba- okay I'm going to warn you up I'm going to badly pronounce a whole bunch of names, but uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there, there's a there, company.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's a
1: I know. If one thing Canadian, like I'm good with the French names, but uh, anything else Canadian Americans, See,
0: that, that's usually Julian shit yeah. to mispronounce all the names. Yeah. So
1: yeah, yeah. 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 We, this is something else we share in common as, uh, as cousins <laughs> on this continent. We're really bad at pronouncing things. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so so there's this mountain in Scotland, and Shehalian Sh- or something like that. Shehallian is known as the Shehallian experiment. And the idea is that, you know, I mean, you're aware with gravity, right? You know, large gravitational bodies, you know, will kind of a- a- attract another body. So, what they decided mm-hmm. what they're going to do is, is um, they're going to drop a plumb line next to this mountain. Um, and then, you know, that that the mountain will exert a very slight gravitational effect on the plumb line, uh, you know, as Earth is also pulling it, it it down. I don't understand the math at all, but... Knowing it, it's much knowing the density of the mountain, and you know how much that mountain then kind of, just you know attracts the plumb line slightly, you know kilters it off of center, then lets you calculate the density of the earth. Obviously, when you get the density of the earth, you go, "There's a lot of stuff down there." So they they knew from you know after this experiment clearly the the world was not uh, the world was not hollow, but mm-hmm. you know science right. Uh, not everybody accepts science, and um, there was this guy John Cleve Sims Jr. and he was a uh, he was a U.S. Army officer during the War of eighteen twelve, which is that like think of your um, the American Revolution, the War of yeah. eighteen twelve was kind of our you know sort of foundational war. So Canadians mm-hmm. we learn probably a lot more about War of eighteen twelve than than. Uh,
0: you do, do in america but he was uh, you know he was on the- it's always it's always viewed here as like the uh, the revolutionary war part two yes okay yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh
1: yeah C- canadians uh canadians are incorrectly proud we burned down the white house no canadians were involved in burning down the white house so it's actually purely uh british operation <laughs> so yeah so if you do hear some canadians sort of smack talking you back like yeah, we burned down your white house like no, actually, in fact, it was British regular troops that did that. No Canadians involved, <laughs> but
0: you know, yeah. But uh,
1: anyway, so yeah,
0: so um, so now we just have Americans that would like to burn down the White House. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's, that's a whole other show, right?
1: So, uh, so yeah, yeah. But Sims kind of picked up on Haley's idea, uh, Haley's idea about you know the, the 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 hollow Earth, and um, and he just kind of ran with it. Now Sims, I like, can he's just a military officer, no science background and he just was fixated by this idea that you know the earth earth is hollow and um, i just basically spent all of his money trying to convince the world that he was right and that there were these entrances at north and south pole so he was probably the first one to really introduce this idea of, of you know you can access the hollow earth at the north and south pole to him that the the whole that wasn't just like a you know you get to the north pole Or the South Pole, and there's just like kind of like a you know well of souls or something you can jump down. And to him, it was very gradual. And if you were Mm -hmm. kind of like walking towards the North Pole, it would just so gradually lead you into the Earth. You wouldn't even notice. Remarkably, he was able to kind of attract. um, Well, I mean, scientists of the day kind of mocked him. I think they called it his like Sims holes. Was kind of how they mocked him. They called his (laughs) you know Sims holes. I, I believe he's actually, he was able to get the, the ear of President uh, John Quincy Adams. Now, Adams founded the uh, Smithsonian Institute. Adams is like, Adams was really a uh, big, uh, like a naturalist, like really just wanted to know all about the world. It, it, it's kind of weird that he would kind of, he actually, he, he applied to Congress to get some sort of funding to the North Pole to, you know, find sim, these Sims holes, but uh charitably, people are like, okay, maybe he wasn't a crank, but he was just, you know, it was just an excuse to send some people to the North Pole, set an expedition to the North Pole. But Congress Mm -hmm. was like, uh, no, that's stupid. The Earth is not hollow. And uh, they denied the the funding. So, yeah. Now, I'm going to roll forward to, you know, the late uh, late 19th century. Uh, There was this dude, Cyrus Teed. Now, Cyrus Teed, he's kind of the first one to... uh, Literally and figuratively flip the hollow earth thing inside out. So you know, mm-hmm. most hollow earth people think we are living on the surface of the world, but there is a whole world inside the hollow earth with troglodytes and these kinds of things, and they're living down there as 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 well. But yeah. but it, it's all very
0: H.P. Lovecraft.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, so uh, Cyrus Teed, he was the first one to sort of think that actually. We are not living on the surface of the sphere. We are living inside the sphere, and so when you look up, you are actually looking to the center of the Earth, and the entire universe is kind of there in the center of the uh, of the Earth, and that was kind of his 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 idea, and 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 I believe Sean, um, I think you kinda you, you legend trip this. This uh Cy, uh Cy, Cy, Cyrus teed guy, he kind of formed this uh the cult called uh uh yeah. and you'll probably better pronounce it as Koroshan unity.
0: No no that's that's exactly it. And I think it uh the name came from uh the Persian pronunciation of Cyrus oh, okay. oh, as okay. Khorash. There you go. Okay. Yeah it was uh, I was just totally coincidentally basically down the road from where their commune was established in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So they're based in Florida. And so, like I say, his idea was that we're kind of, so this is kind of like the, it's the concave hollow earth. So mm-hmm. uh, if you think of the, um, if you think of a a um, the lens of your eyeball or, uh, you know, a contact, and so you put the, the inside of the contact that kind of goes on your eye, that's the
0: concave, you know, cave concave portion. So we're living in that. And, So is he? He's describing that we're actually standing on the inside of the outer shell, looking inward. So when we're looking at the sky and we're seeing all the blue or the sun passing over, that's actually the center of the Earth. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So
1: and and basically, the whole universe is just towards the 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 center, center of the Earth. Yeah. Now, granted, back in the 19th century, we didn't think the universe was that big, right? We just kind of thought it was, you know, we are in a galaxy at 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 Mm -hmm. most. It wasn't really until I think later in the 20th century that we realized, you know, no, these, you know, these what look like kind of hazy clouds. No, those are actually whole other galaxies, right? But uh, yeah, so it could have been reasonable, but, um, you know, and and most, my complaint about most cranks and most conspiracy theorists is they, they come up with a pretty fascinating explanation for something, but they just, they kind of just walk away from the table. They don't test it. But uh, but Teed and his group they decide they're going to test it. So they build this thing called, uh, and this is again one of my pronouncing uh, problems. Maybe pronouncing something. I, I think it's called a rectilineator. and it's um, I don't know. It, it, I, th- I mean, it looks like maybe this railroad ties contraption thing, probably with uh, with um, you, you know you know those those levels with the little bubble in it. You know, you know, there's some water and sure. an air bubble, and that sort you know kind of tells you, like, oh, this desk I just made in my workshop is just like it's totally off kilter, right? Uh, I, 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 I I I like working with wood, but I am not good at making anything straight and level, and, and uh,
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: my, my wife just mocks me constantly. So, so, <laughs> yeah, so it's some it's some kind of device, and again, I can't I've I have read the explanation how this device works uh i could read it a thousand times and still not fully understand it but basically they kind of like put it in place uh, on on a very kind of what they determined was a very flat road they put it in place and they took some measurements and then they moved it and then uh they took some more measurements and they literally just dragged this thing slowly along about four miles of this road and and took measurements all along the way and remarkably Uh, their measurements sort of agreed that, yeah, in fact, that, you know, that the, that the device was always kind of tilting up and they were indeed, we're indeed living inside of a sphere, which, you know, Hey, they scienced it. It's, it's, it's done. Right. yeah. Yeah. There it is. And, um, but as you sort of discovered, I think you discovered that they—they they, um, that the society is no more, right? But that's a tourist attraction, and they've archived a lot of their papers and things like that,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Now it is a uh, their their old compound is now a, a, a an historic site in the state of Florida. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, uh, Carl.
3: So,
2: oh yeah, yeah. yeah um, go ahead. Julie. So uh,
3: I actually got a chance to uh, watch a YouTube video. I, I was I read I read about uh, him in in your book. And I, okay. and I hopped online and I was like, I, I can't envision this recti- rectilineator at right, all. Yeah. And I found a YouTube video from somebody who believes in this. Oh, dear. it's like a 13 minute long video. The amount of, of complexity that went into this experiment is really fascinating. Right, yeah. it, it's, yes. it's really interesting. Yeah. And uh, they went to a lot of trouble over the months. And uh, you can
1: see. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the interesting thing, that, right, that that the uh, they're, they're, all of their original data has been preserved, and people have sort of looked at their original data and kind of like, well, what was kind of going on in, with, with this thing? And basically, they've sort of figured out, you know, it's kind of sort of measurement. Me- there, there's error bars, right? You know, it could be this, or it could be that. And so... Basically, I believe that, you know, when they were deciding which, you know, of those error bars to write down, of course, they were always writing down the one that agreed with concave. So, so that was kind of basically the sort of <laughs> explanation there. So, yeah, you know, looking at your error bars and rejecting that, that did not match your expectations and uh, sort of accepting only the data that, that, that agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these devices were, were kind of complicated and creaky and, I mean, the best they could do in the, you know, the late 19th century, but, you know, not fine, you know, it's a cult, right? They're not, they're not, they're not making
0: yeah, <laughs> right. finely <Yeah>. ground <laughs> German lenses or something,
1: right? You know, they're, they're, they're a little limited what they can do in a Florida swamp, I guess. I don't know.
0: And I think you have to remember that the ultimate goal is not science, but to at least have some sort of justification for the, the belief structure. Yes. Like the experiments
3: that we see with flat earthers.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Again, you know,
1: like hmm, rejecting that data that does not match and then only accepting the data that does match. Mm-hmm. So, right. Okay. So then now we're going to roll. We're going to roll forward. Now we're jumping in about the 19, 1950s. And um, there was this guy, uh, Walter Isidore Sigmeister, uh, which sort of sounds like the name of maybe like a, a guy from a you know, in, in sort of an eighties sort of movie, good. Bring the sigmeister, get to beer, you know? So yeah, Walter Isidore <laughs> sig sigmeister, but, uh, this guy, uh, this is frightening. He, he, he he, set, he decides he's going to go down to Brazil and, uh, uh start a uh, race of superhumans down in Brazil, which it's like, what could go wrong with that? Right. But, uh,
0: uh, apparently, <laughs> it's always a solid start to any exactly, plan.
2: Exactly,
0: <laughs> we're gonna you begin with the superhumans. Exactly. But uh, yeah, but apparently that didn't work out so
1: so so well. He uh, coming back to to America, he discovered that this thing called the Shaver Mysteries. Uh, now, the Shaver Mysteries were written by this guy Richard Sharp Shaver. And if you've never heard of the Shaver Mysteries, I mean that is that is a three hour show. Basically, this Richard Sharp Shaver guy was just crazy. Uh, and uh, but he started writing stories for a science uh, fiction magazine called Amazing Stories, and the editor at the time kind of it was like, remember um, uh, uh, in search of you know it was always kind of like oh yeah absolutely exactly. it's like you know
0: that Bigfoot episode yeah, yeah, yeah for sure Leonard Nimoy yeah, exactly all of it. it was that
1: it was that kind <laughs> of early you know could be true maybe it's not true you decide yeah. you know.
0: Just, just inserting that yes. doubt in there <laughs> and allowing, like, well, you know, these strange things happen and nothing's ever been proven yes, otherwise. Exactly. But yeah. yeah,
1: you know, the people see on History Channel crank shows and stuff like that, they do not know, but everything they are spouting all goes back to the Shaver Mysteries. Like, this thing is a hugely influential influential work. Yeah, so Sigmeister then kind of gloms on, on to that and then... You know, again, the, the Shaver Mysteries were all about a, a kind of a hollow Earth as well, with ancient civilizations living in the in, in the hollow Earth. And then, of course, now by the 1950s, this is the dawn of the UFO time. Uh, you know, the UFO, uh, you know, movement and stuff like that. So he's really kind of the first one to start tying the idea of like the hollow Earth is you know where, where the UFOs are all kind of kind of coming coming from. So um, yeah, so we've got so now we're at Hollow Earth, uh, people living inside,
0: uh, UFOs. So now in the uh, – <laughs> That's a really sort of a wonderful bow yeah. to tie all these crank ideas together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we, we've had this Hollow Earth stuff now for, for decades and decades and, and – or actually at this point over 100 years. And now we have Uf- people talking about UFOs and let's see how we can put yeah, these exactly. together. I mean yeah. mashups yeah. were great in music. Why not conspiracy theories? <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, well that's the thing that, that I mean. Yeah, you can sort of see like how people kind of build on it. You know, it's like it's like I need to stake my own, you know, uh, thing. So I'm going to take your stuff and then just layer on something else. Now, now how the kind of how did the Nazis and the South Pole and UFO bases how did that all tie together? So we're going to jump back a bit to the late 1940s, and there was a astronomer um, by the name of um, Gerard Quake, Kuiper, Kuiper, Kuiper. It's called go with Kuiper. If you're familiar with the Kuiper belt, Kuiper belt, um, mm-hmm. he's yeah. not the one who discovered it, but he's the one that first kind of worked out mathematically. You know, if you look there, you should see this belt. What that which I think believe you know short period comets come from or some, something like that. So yeah, yeah. so he now this is one of the things like thank you for telling us about this, but uh, man, you got to footnote your stuff. So. He, he wrote an article for a publication called Popular Astronomy, and he was talking about Nazi astronomy. And just kind of, he just drops into this article about, um, there was this guy, um, Dr. Heinz Fischer. He was a, uh, I don't think he was an astronomer, but he was sort of an early expert in infra infrared cameras and things like that. So this Heinz <laughs> Fischer guy uh, somehow was able to convince the Nazis that, you know, we are actually living in a concave earth. He picked up on the whole concave earth idea, and he wanted to sort of prove to the Nazis, like, you know, hey, if you send me to uh, this pleasant island, I'm going to set up my cameras, and I'm going to spy on the British fleet. But because, you know, it's a concave earth, I'm not going to point my cameras across the water. I'm going to tilt them up. And then, you know, I should be able to tilt them up and then see the British fleet. Whether he saw something or not, this is not where doesn't sort of cover this. But he just drops that in there. And people just like, yeah, God, I wish he really – who was his source? Where did he get this from? But um, I don't know. But this this Heinz Fischer guy actually was uh, – are you familiar with Project Paperclip? Yeah. 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 Yeah, so, yeah. So he was actually one of the Nazi scientists that were kind of, um, I don't know,
0: rehabilitated or rescued or whatever – yeah, yeah, I think just adopted. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he was just he was like it was a foster child program for yeah. Nazis. Yeah. 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 Uh, 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 we'll take some of that
2: and <laughs> Yeah.
0: But uh yeah, but I mean, if we're to take Kuiper's word
1: for it. Obviously, within the Nazi circles there was some there was some uh, uh, affinity for the idea that maybe hollow earth, you know, we are living in a hollow earth or living uh, you know, on top of Earth and their civilizations un- underneath. All right. So now right at the end of World War, sorry, right at the beginning of the World War II, the uh, the, the Nazis, I, I guess they're like, if we're going to launch a, a war, we got to secure a source of whale oil. Why they need whale oil, I don't know. Maybe for greasing the wheels of anti-aircraft guns or something like that. But they're like, okay, <laughs> we can't. We're, clean burning lamp fuels. Exactly, we are going to be totally embargoed on the whale whale oil trade. So, so they uh, they went down to south uh, um, uh, the South Pole and tried to establish a station down there to see if maybe they could establish like a whaling station down there. Not a lot of success. gave it a, gave it a shot for a couple of years. It didn't didn't work out. So you know now people are like, see, the Nazis were interested in the South Pole. Now at the end of the war. Uh, there were a couple submarines, German U-boats, that sort of pulled into Argentina, kind of surrendered to Argentina. They figured, like, I think they figured they were going to, you know, Argentina and the Nazis, there's a little bit of a, an association there, We, as we sort of have discovered over the years. And so I, I think they kind of thought that they were going to be, if not greeted as heroes, they were going to be treated fairly or, you know, slap on the wrist. But they were just, you know, they were basically locked up and they're just handed over to the Allied powers. But they were, then, I mean, they were sort of grilled, like, "Well, what are you doing here? Where did you go?" and 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 stuff like that. So from that, we get the there. There was a uh, there was a journalist in Argentina, Zabo might have been his last name. Again, a name I'm totally butchering, and he kind of just ran with the idea that before the Nazis, these Nazi U-boats, you know, put to port in Argentina, they actually spirited Hitler and Martin Bormann and you know all this technology to. At the South Pole, where those whaling stations were not actually abandoned, but uh, had been, uh, had been, you know, uh, you know developed and, you know, built out and gone underground and, and, and stuff, stuff like
0: that. So, no, I think all of this functions as, as an alternative version of the secret space program or something like that, Exactly. where it's like either the Nazis went to the moon or the Nazis went to Antarctica, but it certainly isn't over. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, now, now Ernst Zündel, uh, this guy jumps in, into the picture. Now, Ernst Zündel, uh, he was born in Germany, and, you know, like a lot of people, he uh, he dodged the draft and moved to Canada. And, you know, it's like, I don't want to fight, but I want other people to fight. You know, kind of one of these kind of kind of hypocrites kind mm-hmm. of things. So, yeah. So, he's apparently a pretty good graphic artist, starts his own business in Toronto, and, um, he had, eventually he uh, he hooks up with this with this guy, Adrian Arcand. And and Adrian Arcand was a, a, a politician, uh politician who uh, even though I'm Canadian, I still have to laugh at this. He built himself as the uh, Canadian Fuhrer.
0: So he believed himself <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> the Canadian Fuhrer. Didn't he uh, didn't Adrian Arcand start off as a journalist or something?
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he um yeah, he was a, a journalist. He he was also a there was a party in Canada called the Social Credit Party. They're kind of still around, big in Quebec. Uh, before the war years, I mean, they were just a balls out anti Semitic party. They they read the protocols of the Elders of Zion into the what we would call it the Hansard. You might call it the Congressional Record in, in the states, but basically, uh-huh. you know, anything
0: said in Congress, they, they made it an official document. Yeah, yeah. yeah wow. exactly. We can
1: never get rid of that. Now that is part of the you know that is our yeah so. After the war, they're like they kind of officially abandoned uh, anti-Semitism, but not really. They're still pretty, pretty uh, anti-Semitic party even 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 today. Doesn't necessarily mean if you were a, uh, a member of that party, you are anti-Semitic. But I don't know. I would uh, I would have questions and concerns if you said, "Yeah, oh, yeah I'm uh, your candidate for the Social Credit Party. Vote for me." To, yeah. So Zundel. Um, I, I guess Zendel kind of learns, you know, probably a lot of anti-Semitism and stuff at, at the at the feet of uh, the Canadian Fuhrer. <laughs> this, this guy does not look like a Fuhrer. Like a, he did, no, he does not. Yeah, if you, if you, if you, if you, if you jump to a uh, wiki, he looks like um, he, he was, you know, this is, again, this is one of those problems where you're sort of turning old, you, you complete. He was that guy in that movie with the other guy. Uh, there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he exactly. He looks exactly like him. Anyway, yeah, so so Zündel, um, so he starts up his own publishing company. He calls it S- Samzadat, Samzadat Publishing, to start cranking out basically full-on Holocaust denial ki- kinds of kinds of stuff. You know, like a book called like, "The Third Reich and the Six Million
0: Swindle." You
1: know, what I mean, just titles themselves are just like toe curling. You know,
0: I, I saw one of them. Did did six million really die? Yeah, six, ex- Question yeah, mark. Yeah, exactly.
1: So. Um, <laughs> And it's like, what are these kind of things are? It's like, you know, it's the, the original of were were uh, kind of like uh, subversive publications uh, published behind the Iron Curtain by, you know, by people who opposed, you know, communism and stuff like that. So, you know, I mean, you see this now with the, I think it's called the White Rose Party or the White Rose Movement, especially in the UK. They're big in the UK. The White, the original White Rose Movement was a group of, German students who opposed Hitler, the rise of Hitler mm-hmm. and sort of you know his fascism, uh, and you know they were all eventually captured and tortured to death. You know, pretty awful. But they, these, the, these sort of these anti-vax, you know, uh, anti-mandate kind of people, have sort of, they've now they've they've claimed that name for,
0: for themselves. But you know, Zundel, Zundel was right on that.
1: So he, um, yeah, so he,
0: you, you can see the 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 disposition that he has and. How- just how he views himself there as being this sort of underground purveyor of freedom and free thought yes that that you know the st- the state is constantly trying to oppress him and here he is fighting this good fight with his underground printing press and and spreading the word of the truth to everybody who you know who doesn't who has been convinced about all these lies he really sees himself as a martyr and not only that
3: he multiple times Refers to himself as the defender of,
0: uh, I believe it's civil rights for Germans
3: or or human rights. For yeah, Germans. yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> yes, that's exactly. right. He
0: he was the, uh, the 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 Canadian Gandhi or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he called himself. As. <laughs> yeah, uh, he he, he calls him that. He called himself Gandhi for for Germans. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I mean, on that point, he he does he does actually form. I mean, but besides dad he does form kind of two. Groups And again, this is one of those things where like, um, you know, people, they, they form these like highfalutin groups, like, so like, you know, Mothers for right. Freedom. And it's like, when you kind of look under, it's like, it's, it's like six moms in a Starbucks and they're lobbying for, you know, Uganda to pass a law that lets people execute trans kids. You know, it's just like, it's just this Mothers for Freedom Execution of trans kids in Uganda. I don't know. Yeah, he, he does. So he does form a couple groups, like the German Jewish Historical Commission.
2: <laughs> how, how many Jews you think
1: are on that commission? I don't know. But it's just, I just promote Holocaust denial, right? And then uh, concerned parents of German descent was his other group. And that was, I think, Julian. you were saying that was where it's like you know, like we have to protect our German children from being made fun of in school. Now, I in the seventies, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if you know. Carl Mamer. <laughs> you know, I don't know why. Actually, now that I think of it, I never got fingered as a Nazi. <laughs> Carl Mamer. I mean, later on, yeah, but uh, but uh, but it's like, yeah, if there was like you know, like that that one kid who was actually like, I am from Germany. You're a Nazi kid, you know? Like, you would just you would just kids will find anything to pound on other kids. At oh that, yeah, right, you know. So so uh, yeah. I, I mean yeah. I mean post war for a number of years. Like yeah, like you know that was the. You were a kid. You were probably in German. You were probably mom, but you know, good. But that doesn't mean like, hey, let's round up all the Jews. Then that know.
3: almost reminds me a little bit of this uh, misplaced hysteria over critical race theory in the states, where they're yeah. targeting a thing that's not a thing uh, that's taught anywhere except for upper college level classes. But the the hysteria is, at least in the states, this reaction where we need to defend the white children from attacks. It, same idea: yeah. defend or, or the children, de- German children, from attacks of teaching history about the Holocaust.
0: Well, and you get this yes. same sort of um, uh, of, uh, of astroturfing with the groups too, where you have this kind of name that looks that sounds fantastic, and I think you know Mothers for Freedom is a perfect one. And then they're going to show up and at a school board and demand that a bunch of books be removed from a library, and then exactly. and then you find yes. out that they get funding from the Koch brothers or something like that.
1: Now, I was going to say, now, while while, while Zindel was, um, you know, was publishing, you know, things like, you know, Did Six Million Jews Die and all this kind of, you know, Holocaust denial stuff, he um, he starts also publishing books about, uh, uh, you know, the Nazis have secret bases at the South Pole and UFOs and, and stuff like that. Now, I mean, this is the part I, I kind of cover a bit in my, my, my skeptics book of list available on Amazon. But uh, he uh, he uh, he kind of d- does two interesting things with this. One one he he starts selling a a UFO investigator pass or a Nazi UFO investigator pass. Like you know, send him two dollars and he will make you an official Nazi UFO investigator. The brilliant thing about this pass is it, you. It is you can find pictures of it online. I I, I make a, a version in my book. It's not the exact because I, I don't know who holds the copyright for that. But you know, uh, you know, I, I sort of illustrate something that looks approximately like it. But um it it has um you know, it has pictures of like like a Nazi UFO spotting chart. So, you know, if you see a UFO but it is not one of these UFOs, then that's not a Nazi UFO. <laughs> so, you know, that's probably some Take other cover. UFO. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But he then he has a um, he has a list of questions you can ask a Nazi UFO crew in both English and German. So you know if you only know English, which makes me wonder, like you're gonna get an answer back in German. You don't, you know, you're gonna ask him a question. So like one of the questions is, "What is your top speed and range?" And then the that's the okay, that's the question I want to ask them. So, but I know there are Nazi UFO pilots, so they don't speak English and they don't have universal translators, but they have anti-gravity or something like that. <laughs> so, so, you know, so you would say like, what is, and again, I'm just going to butcher this you now, what is here, hashgwinkrkund und Reichweite, <laughs> right? So that's what you, again, there's not even a pronunciation guide on this card. So <laughs> so, so they just you just hand them the card and point to that. That's the question, right? And then I guess maybe you just want the Nazi UFO pilots to then write down in German the answer. And I will take this back to, uh, you know, my master, Ernst Zundel, and he will translate for me. But, but yeah. And, um, and so that was one thing. He's raising money selling these Nazi UFO investors. Oh, and, and Carl, I, if I could interrupt really quickly. Uh, yeah. I, I noticed yeah, – uh, yeah. well, first of all,
3: it reminds me so much of, of uh, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zisu. Where Steve Zissou would always say, "Uh, send him a red cap and a Speedo (laughs) or something like that. But but in your book, in the part about the UFO Investigators League, they also have an investigators pass. And I thought that that was pretty hilarious that the UFO people love giving
1: out passes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's another, yeah. That's another list in my book, right? That's something so many defunct, uh, UFO organizations. Uh, Yeah. That, that's quite fascinating. You have UFO investigator leagues, right? They, they give you a a pass too. But, um, yeah. But, but Zindel. So he's raising money with this pass and then he decides, you know, like uh, coming back to our sort of our flat earthers who do experiments. It's like, why don't you just charter a plane? And then fly to the South Pole and is see is it a wall like you think it is, or is it just a landmass? And, and so so Zündel decides he's going to uh, set up an expedition to the South Pole to find the um, find the Nazi UFO base at the South Pole. So he's going to charter a seven forty seven. Apparently, he f- there's enough crazies in toronto or wherever that he's going to fill a 747 <laughs> and um to ensure that as the 747 you know flies over the nazi ufo base that you know the the, the obviously the nazis manning anti-aircraft weapons to protect the base not making sure they're not going to shoot it down his plan is to paint swastikas all over
2: the plane
0: i was going to say you have to have the proper markings if you're going <laughs> to yes, represent exactly. yourself so, as an ally so you know
1: you, you can imagine it's like uh yeah, you know no, what exactly. I think I think in the airline industry they call that livery or something—the <laughs> uh, the colors and logos and stuff on the plane. So you can imagine it's like, uh, oh, so, sorry, you want to charter this plane and you want to paint what on my plane? So, so.
2: you're not even buying it. You're just to
1: it
0: put, like Fucking swastikas all over it. It's, I mean, it's like painting like, your I rental know. car <laughs> with like,
1: Yeah, exactly. And I'm telling, I'm telling the you know the, the Hertz guy, this is what I'm going to do. Here's, here's the deal: like I'll pay extra. Like I'll give you an extra ten bucks <laughs> if there's something. Right, know, exactly. Yeah, a, you know, it's an extra day charge for driving around or with swastikas.
2: You know, but
0: you know, fine. I'm going to Avis. They, they know how to treat knots. So, you know, but um, yeah. Just thinking, how did they imagine they were going to get all the way across the United States? I mean, were they going to fly out over international waters with swastikas (laughs) on the bottom of their wings? Maybe it's (laughs) entirely possible they're (laughs) going to
1: set out from Argentina or something, believing that maybe they're still – yeah, maybe they're – That is very
0: true. Yeah, I I guess I was assuming they were going to be taking off from Canada. But they would probably take off from a much closer location, yeah. Yeah. So – Yeah. Again – None of this was actually ever <laughs> going to happen. It was exactly, just a yeah. way to get and, money. And
1: speak of money, so Because yeah. there was no so plan to you, land the yeah, anywhere.
0: Exactly. There was just going to be a flyover. Exactly.
1: So yeah. So, you know, Julian, if you were a, you know, a, a, a different mind, you know, I don't know. I think this was in the eighties or it could have been the late 1970s. If you were of a different mind in the late 1970s, uh, and you were like, I, I want a seat on that. You just had to send Zundel uh, $10,000. And that's in 1970s dollars. I, I don't know what that is today. That's probably, you know, probably like $50,000. But, um, so obviously this harebrained mission expedition never took place and lost to history. Did anybody ever give Zundel any money? I, I, I don't, I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, you will be glad to know that Canada did eventually lock him up. <laughs> he, um, yeah. Now, do have freedom of speech in Canada, but uh, we, 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 Canada has a legal tradition of balancing uh, you know, rights and freedoms with sanity sometimes. We don't call it our mm-hmm. Bill of Rights. We call it our, our Charter of, of Rights and Freedoms. And, and number one in our charter is the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms guarantees the right and freedoms set out uh, in it subject only to such reasonable limits prescribed by law as can be demonstrated, justif- justified in a free and democratic society. So it's kind of like, here's your rights, but the government still does. You know, it's like, you know, your bill of rights, the government shall make no laws. You know, we're saying mm-hmm. we can make laws, but, you know, we're going to leave it to eventually some judges to figure out, is this reasonable? Is this unreasonable? So, yeah. So so we have um, hate speech laws and and oh, geez, at least mm-hmm. twice they tried to uh, prosecute. Zundel on hate speech. I believe in, um, I think this is in the, eight, this is sort of in the 80s, where he was um, late 80s, early 90s, especially when the sort of the internet kind of start, started up. Uh, you know, obviously now his renown is sort of in, in, in increasing. But um, yeah, so it was like, yeah, it was in the mid 80s, the first time that he was persecuted for hate speech. I believe he got off at that time or got off on appeal on Uh, And then they got him on something else a few years, years later. And uh, this time, the second time he, uh, you know, the ultimate defense is all, you know, what I'm saying is true, you know? So he decides I'm going to prove, you know, in a venue of fact and logic, I'm going to prove the Holocaust never actually happened. So he, uh, he, he assembles what is just like, you know, it is literally a clown car of the worst Holocaust deniers the, at that time, so you've got D- David Irving. Are you familiar with David Irving? I don't know that name. Oh, no. okay. He was a uh, maybe Netflix is a good movie. Uh, David Irving versus Deborah Lipstadt and Penguin Books. Basically, Penguin Books and Deborah Lipstadt wrote a book called "Denying the Holocaust" and basically said David Irving is a Holocaust denier. He was a f- kind of a famous historian of of Hitler, and then started to really slide into revisionism, and then. Full-out Holocaust denial. So Irving sued in British court, which is you know libel, which is really hard to defend against, and he lost. Now he acted as his own lawyer, which is kind of maybe one reason he lost. But uh, yeah, so basically the the British British law rubber stamp David Irving Holocaust denier, right? You know they they've they've made it official. So um, yeah, and then this other guy, he got this guy, and I, this is a name I'm gonna have a really hard time per- pronouncing um Fred L- Lucher Fred Lucher um Fred Fred Lucher and I don't know how you get a job with these credentials but he 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 builds he builds I guess he's still alive a fine human being don't sue us but he uh, he built himself as a self-taught execution technician
0: that's the guy. <laughs> yes as I I came across this guy too I didn't recognize his name but yeah he 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 used uh, uh, Zundel used him yes. as an expert witness. Yes,
1: exactly, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and so his his defense, his claim is that he um, completely illegal. He uh, just you know chipped off some parts of the gas chamber in Auschwitz, and then you know ran some tests and said, you oh, know, I could all, I could only find trace amounts of I couldn't even find any Zyklon B or trace amounts or something. It's like yeah, clearly you know. There's just enough in there to be de lousing, like they say, and people are like, "Well, first of all, hacking off a part of a gas chamber Auschwitz is against the law." But this is like has been exposed to the elements for for decades. Of course, you're not going to find concentrations in cyclone B. But yeah, but he he and eventually sort of published. A, I think it became known as the Lucher report or something like that. The Lucher report. And uh, and again, of course, Zundel, you know, publishes this, but,
4: you know, know, like,
1: I'm not sure about America, but in Canada, like all the crazies have been taking all of our, you know, mask and vaccine mandates and stuff like that to court. And, you know, they're just showing up like crazy town, like. But judge, look at this YouTube video. <laughs>
2: you know, <laughs> guilty. You
0: know. Yeah, I, I think they call that the uh, the crazy uncle defense strategy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like these, these these people have been bringing it,
1: and judges have just been like, and uh, I, I will say, if you get a, a, a hold of the the actual sort of decision rendered by by the judge in the uh, David Irving case, it is a fascinating read. It, it's not dry or a lot of legalese it's just it's a fascinating read and sometimes a lot of these things are like just hilarious the way judges you know these are the things that judges love so they can in interject humor into <laughs> in, into their, their 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 judgments and they, they can be quite quite funny but but yeah so um but but eventually he uh, he like i think that second time he does get convicted he does serve a couple years in jail now he's age fifty one at this point, so you know, I mean, I'm fifty five. Uh, uh, two years out of my life is precious time. I don't want to yeah, spend absolutely. it. I don't got a lot of years ahead of me. So, uh, but then eventually the Canadian Supreme Court overrules, and oh, he was he was uh, he was trying he was convicted for spreading false news, and the Canadian Supreme Court said no. You, your freedom of speech does allow you to spread false news, or at least in in the way he was doing it. So, you, you know, it's like, you know, we're living in a totalitarian Hitler state. No, actually, the Supreme Court rule in your favor. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, but he, um, now, meanwhile, he's not a Canadian citizen. He, ever since arriving in Canada, he never applies for Canadian citizenship. Now he decides not to apply for Canadian citizenship. <laughs> what timing, right? Okay, one of the most notorious, you know, Holocaust denier Nazis in Canada. I think I can be a great contributor to your society. Oh, I gotta say, if you ever look at a picture of this guy, he wears a uh, construction helmet. He's like a, this old white guy in a construction helmet. And he's just like the weirdest looking guy ever. Sean and I were talking about that
3: just before this, and I commented that he looks just like the
0: head neo Nazi in American
1: History X.
0: Oh, I wouldn't
1: doubt that he, that guy was probably based on Zindel, yeah
0: it's a very similar kind of vibe between the two yeah. guys, like very similar glasses and style of dress, but I love the construction helmet. That's fantastic.
1: <laughs> yeah. So he uh, he applies for Canadian citizenship and um, the, uh, I, I guess the, um, I think he, he was actually approved, which is bizarre. It's not actually bizarre. Cause oh, in my life, I have seen some really scurrilous people get Canadian citizenship. Like, yeah, I, I'm just wanted on genocide, you know, by the European, this European court of, you know, human rights for, you know, killing thousands of people in Africa. Uh, but give me a Canadian session. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I don't know. It's, it's bizarre, but yeah. So he, uh, I think that, but they, they deny him, but then they give it, to, and it's overturned and they give it to him. But then eventually the, I guess we call it the Canadian security intelligence service. So think of like CIA. Uh, or maybe mm-hmm. like MI5, like kind of a, a domestic – they're like MI5 and MI6. They do, they do domestic spying. Kind of like NSA, do, maybe. Uh, yeah, yeah, something like that, yeah. yeah. They were kind of created our, – our Royal Canadian Mounted Police, they used to kind of handle that uh, sort of spying, but then ultimately you don't want to give your spies the power of arrest. So we decided like, okay, yeah, well, let's make kind of a CIA-like organization where they can spy, but they can't also arrest you. That kind of thing. So, so they were, I guess they have some ability to kind of override. They said, "Uh -uh, no, no, this guy, this guy is like, he's a leader of like all these white supremacist movements. This is not somebody we we want. So, Zundel eventually packs off to Tennessee. Sorry, America. We, we went down there for, for,
0: straight for the Smoky Mountains. Yes,
1: exactly. But of course, you know, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't play nice down there. He gets booted back to Canada. Canada finally has enough. They deport him to Germ, his native Germany, because again, not a citizen. Now, Germans they take this shit. Sorry, swearing again. They take this shit seriously. This Holocaust <laughs> denial shit seriously, right? They lock him in chains. They uh they throw him in jail for five years. Now, this is uh this is the early two thousands, um, and uh, so they throw him in jail pro- around about uh, two thousand and five. He's like he's like seventy one at this point. So now, if you're if you're doing five years at seventy one, that's very close to a life sentence, and yeah. certainly so. Yeah. So he eventually is released and just like dies like a, a couple of years later or something. And uh, that's that is that is And, and his wife
3: died like three months after that too. I think.
1: Right. Yes. Yes. He did. He had a uh, American wife. She was running his like his not crazy Nazi BBS down in the States because apparently while Canada can maybe shut that stuff down, it's takes a little bit more in America to, to deny people, you know, the right to yeah. put up a crazy psycho website or BBS kind of thing. But uh, yeah, so he, he kind of had it all run out of there. She was running it. He moved down there. I yeah, married her, but just cause you married an American citizen doesn't necessarily mean a green card attaches. Well,
0: yeah, there's still a process involved, and it has to be reviewed. And I mean, even back then, there was a pro. It was probably much more lenient, but the it was still had a you know it wasn't an automatic. Well, I remember. I mean, when I was living in
1: Seattle, which is Kirkland for people who are actually familiar with Seattle. And then when I say Kirkland, think of like probably like kind of super boring suburb of of, of Seattle. But uh, yeah, like I had a green card uh, application and process. I joke that it got filed like September tenth, like two thousand and one, and then two thousand, and then you know nine eleven happened like the next day, (laughs) and yeah, yeah, and everything ground to halt, and then eventually the whole dot com economy imploded, and then it's like. Hmm, who do we lay off? Let's get rid of the Canadian. You know, so it's like, you know, oh no, send me packing back to Canada. Eh? But, uh,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll do okay. But yeah.
0: Something I, uh, I, I came across was, you know, th- this is also part of the, uh, the, the online, uh, operation that his wife was running, his, his, his last wife, his most recent one as he, when he died. Uh, was the, uh, the Soaring Eagle Gallery. Oh, no, did not, I've not seen that. <laughs> oh, it, it was, it was, at, it's, it's amazing because he, I stumbled across this, uh, this documentary that came out from, that, that he had produced through, through Samuset. Right. They were talking about him as this sort of political prisoner that with this artistic soul. <laughs> I think, I think it was called, uh, uh, uh the documentary was called, uh, a, a Spartan yeah. of the spirit, <laughs> and and it was all about all the uh, the uh, the artwork that he produced while he was in jail.
3: In oh, this video, God. it looks it looks like and it looks what, like the, something that I made in high school for a, a group project. Uh, I, I think our
0: high school project was a little bit better produced, but nevertheless, they managed to stretch this topic, this subject matter, into a full hour. Awesome of just showing little drawings on scraps of paper that he was selling to get money for his legal defense. (laughs) There's a whole series in there about the UFO print collectibles. Oh, okay. He basically took a bunch of paintings he had done at other points and they superimposed this image of a UFO on top of them.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And it's the
3: same crudely drawn image on all of them. And not only paintings of his, but... Right, it's always the same but, UFO. But also, yeah. uh, images from uh, uh, teles- NASA telescopes, like, of galaxies and stuff, they superimpose it on those, too. Right, There's
0: yeah, there's plenty of Hubble images in there.
1: I guess that was another funny anecdote about Zindel. At, at some point, I think it was, like, um, at some point, someone suggested to Zindel that he may have Jewish blood like, through, his, <laughs> through his, his mother, like... <laughs> and um, this apparently just freaked him right out. And he, uh, he got on a plane and he went right back to Germany. And um, I, I guess I, I it's creepy to think that Germany, but I mean, Germans, this is one thing that really kind of, well, not, obviously not Hitler, he killed himself. But, the, you know, the, a lot of the major Nazis in um, Nuremberg trials was that Germans were like fastidious record keepers. Everything was done in triplicate. And they were, the like, the German archivists, like, they were all told, like, burn everything in the final days. And they're like, we are archivists. We cannot. How burn. could we possibly yeah. do that? Exactly. Yeah. So they did not burn anything. So, yeah, so a lot of these people were kind of basically literally hung uh, based on, you know, this whole uh, paper trail. So, uh, apparent, but apparently the, um, you know, back during, you know, Nazi Germany you could get some document to prove that you had pure Aryan blood. And again, I'm going to butcher the name of this. It's called the Ary-mach-weiss. I don't know. I guess he got the word Aryan in there. Mach, which means uh, super speedy. And weiss, which is maybe idle which is a flower. I don't know. But I don't know what that actually means. But yeah, so he uh, he's like, okay, well, I, I, I know for a fact I'm pure Aryan blood. My family must have got this, so he went back to Germany to look for it. He couldn't find it. There was no record. <laughs> All right. So yeah, so he was unable to definitively prove that he was of pure Aryan blood. But I, I,
0: I don't know. for forever to be remembered as Ernst Zundel, something. <laughs> <years>. Exactly.
1: <laughs> if <laughs> only exactly. he had twenty three in me. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, that is the the amusing, uh, depressing, horrible, disgusting. Uh, Life of Ernst Zindel So,
0: one of the things you know, as I was uh, preparing myself to, to talk to you about him, I, I came across uh, at least some speculation that he had he had uh, used the the UFO angle just uh, as entertainment to bring people in to the to his other you know more anti-Semitic ideas, and I, I that that one really struck me because. That 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 grifter aspect of of his whole shtick, of uh, you know, always looking for an angle just to get people to pay attention to his other ideas, including at one point uh, positioning himself as a candidate for the Liberal Party, <laughs> that kind of stuff. It's a it was all he was just trying to do anything he could to you know one raise money by selling books and maybe some plane tickets, and also sensationalize something that was already capturing people's imagination in at least in North America and bring them in that way. If he could get them to talk about the 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 Hitler stuff and the UFO connection, then he could get them, you know, then he could show them the rest of his catalog. I think he
3: even called himself like the instigator candidate or, or something like that or like the antagonist anti- candidate. I, I don't remember what it was, but it it was like clearly he doesn't fit in this party, but it was all part of this
1: rabble rousing mm-hmm. yeah you know I mean I mean the Liberal Party is probably the like the, the most pro-immigration party in, in Canada not that our, I mean our I mean our who knows if our conservative party is going after this whole uh, you know trucker craziness but uh, you know they may kind of you know double down and go let's be even more crazy uh, I, I I will say that that um, thankfully in Canada like any conservative party that ever tried to do the whole family values you know, dog whistling about you know uh, immigrants and stuff like that has just been trounced at the polls. But you know, since twenty sixteen, I just I just don't everything's off the table at this point. Yeah, for sure.
3: Oh, I found it. It's a he called himself a nuisance candidate.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. There was uh, there's this one guy. going I forget his name. Uh, he's actually I think he's dead now. But he was in the he's a Canadian guy in the Guinness Book of World Records for being the having run in the most elections. Like he would run for <laughs> mayor. He would run for you know, a member of parliament and stuff like that. What a great distinction. I've tried <laughs> the most. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he's also this right-wing, crazy religious guy who, like, uh, what do you call it, his green dollar system? He was big into gambling, and he thought he had this whole system, you know, finan- new financial system. No one ever thought about but him. It was going to, you know, solve everybody's problems.
3: I've heard of gamblers having a system before. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So. <laughs> I've got a system. Exactly. Well, he expanded it to, like, a whole uh, nation's economy. That was his, his, his sort, of, sort of platform.
3: You know, uh, one thing I noticed about Zundel talking about the South Pole is that it seems like conspiracy theorists love to talk about the Poles. When I was reading your book, uh, I I just saw it over and over and over again. Sean and I were chatting about it, and uh, probably one of the reasons is that for a long time, they were pretty much inaccessible. So how could you prove them wrong? But I I, I still find it really fascinating that uh, quacks absolutely love to place their hidden societies at the
0: poles. I mean, have you noticed that same thing? Exactly.
1: Yeah, conveniently inaccessible
0: to people. Right, uh, you can never be proven wrong, and and even now, how often do people actually go? The, the flat Earth crowd is totally unconvinced by any sort of satellite photography of the Earth or anything like that. So you can still say that that's the ice wall. That's just the edge.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, if you remember the um, you know, the face on Mars, right? Yeah. And uh, I think really the first satellite NASA managed to orbit around Mars since you know the Viking Lander missions uh you know it's gonna you know just gonna take really good high quality photos of Mars people were like well you gotta you gotta photograph the face of Mars and and Mar and NASA's like we're going to it's a very interesting geological part of Mars but it's you know eight months from now and people just pissed and moaned and finally like you know when uh, you know some Senator or high ranking politician who is, you know, basically on, you know, controlled NASA's budget. It's like, nope, the very first photo you're going to take is of the face on Mars. So NASA's like, all right. Of course, it looked nothing like. Because the light, the I'll light say- wasn't in
0: the right position. The camera is yeah. a higher resolution. This just happened with the Chinese expedition to the, to the lunar surface with their, with their oh, un- yeah. unmanned, uh, unmanned rover they caught sight of this thing in the distance and the photos and yeah. they were like, it's, it's like Stonehenge, but on the moon <laughs> or something like that. And, yes. and of course, you know, the rover gets closer and closer and closer and it finally, you know, you get a better shot of it. It's like, Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's a rock. <laughs> it's a rock. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, there's a, uh,
1: there's a really good podcast. Um, ask a, uh, ask an, Af- ask a astronomer. Paul Sutter, his name's Paul Sutter. Ask, ask an, ask a spaceman that's his name the podcast ask a spaceman he's an astronomer who's mm-hmm. interested in space and uh and uh yeah he uh yeah his his uh his line is like it's never alien so if you hear anything in the news about this is gonna have this stunning announcement <laughs> it's, <never laughs> alien. it's
2: okay Don't no, okay.
1: calm down but yeah but coming back to the thing about did zundo believe in the ufos or was it good just part of part of the grift it, it's so hard to tell yeah. isn't it that um you know, it's like the guy who does the, the Enterprise mission. Who's the, the guy who really kind of pushed the whole face on on Mars thing? I Remember, I was at a uh, a skeptical conference, an Amazing Meeting. I don't know if that means anything to to, to you guys, but um, but I I was talking to I want to say I was talking to Phil Plate. I asked him, I'm like, this guy, like you know, the face on Mars guy. Do you does he believe in any of this? And he's he's like. He's very careful in his his way he talks. In my opinion, he does not believe in that. He is just trying to do that to get attention. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it is is, is kind of hard to tell. I, I mean, I personally want to believe that Zundel in the 70s was right into this. If you believe in a Holocaust denial... Believing in Nazi UFO bases at the South Pole is not any kind, yeah. of kind of stretch.
0: Well, I mean, if you believe in Holocaust denial, then we already know that your epistemology is all fucked up. Yeah,
1: exactly. So it's
0: not surprising, at the least, that these other things would be a, that would also be part of your part of your program. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
3: When I was reading about the skepticism of him actually believing it, I also thought, what a weird thing to pick as your shoe-in to mainstream uh, uh, popularity. Well, I have one
0: wacky idea that nobody fucking believes. Yeah. How about aliens as my shoe-in? Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's how I'm going to hook them. Yeah, I can't convince them of the one crazy thing that I keep trying to push, but I'm going to try this one. Yeah.
1: I mean, that's a really good point. I mean, right. I mean, today, right, Nazi UFO bases, that's just, that's History Channel dog right. right? Yeah, of course the Nazis have a underground <laughs> UFO base. Duh, you know. Didn't you see the? Didn't you see the movie? You know, yeah, that'd be a weird thing to try and sell in 1970 when people were like, "I've heard of Bigfoot. Uh, maybe there's a you know maybe Noah's Ark is you know uh, still on Mount Ararat." But yeah, but to then sort of go, not only are the UFOs, but they're not UFOs, bases. You know, yeah, yeah. I like your reasoning, Julian. It, it does sort of seem like if if it is a grift, it is a you're casting a very fine filter to get some you know okay yeah sure hey if you believe if you believe in Nazi ufo bases man you you are going to be willing to your $10,
3: <laughs> yeah sean and check. i have talked about recently the idea of using a a more broadly palatable idea or issue to cover for or at, or at least uh sneak into the back door much more radicalized ideas much more extremist ideas And this almost would seem to be the opposite
0: angle of that. Right. He actually went more extreme. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I I think context wise, you know, as far as the uh, the publishing landscape in that time period, I want to say that Chariots of the Gods came out just before this, before before uh, Zundel's book on on Hitler and the UFOs. So there was some kind of activity in that area at that point.
1: I mean that's a good point right that yeah I mean the uh, you know the idea that UFOs are our space brothers here to to rescue us mm-hmm. right right that you know our Van, Van Nazi Van Vanden space Vanden, brothers
0: exactly <laughs> <so>, yeah <laughs> von,
1: von Däniken kind of did sort of shift the narrative yeah 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 that maybe we maybe we do have to think of these as not something different and and, and you know now that you're open to the that the narrative there there's other narratives that that you know yeah you may be open to uh, you know Nazi UFOs at uh, at at the South Pole. Oh, Steve Steve Buscemi. He's the uh, he's the the can, <laughs> Canada's Oh yeah yeah. He's for for
2: uh, Adrian Arcan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is the spitting image of
2: Steve Buscemi. <laughs> well, you,
0: you know, I actually I actually remembered while we were talking, and I didn't want to I didn't want to divert us, and you know, because we'd already moved on so much. But I was actually thinking of uh, of John Waters, the director.
3: Oh my God, he looks exactly like he, him. He, yes. he looks like he looks like a
0: he looks like a, a, a sexually repressed John Waters. Oh yes, you're,
1: you're right. Even even better, actually. Yeah, I I I I, 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 I withdraw my claim. <laughs> who appears like Steve skimming. Mean, yes, Canada's fearer does indeed look a lot more like John Waters. Yes. does John Waters know? You ever do see him like? Did you know you are the spitting image of Canada? Well, if Canada
3: has a fear, uh, also, uh, h- how are you? How are you doing living under the uh, the queendom in in Canada?
0: Oh, yeah, we absolutely <laughs> wanted to mention to you, uh, Romana Didillo.
1: Oh my God, I am so disappointed she wasn't <laughs> rounded up in that, I know. In that uh, like if She's there's like one, one person, one of the fish got out of the net. <laughs> I know. If there's one person that I'm like. Man, I guess God couldn't they put her behind bars. Like, yeah, it's uh she is she that she is bizarre, she really like, is. and that that there are people that like, your audience probably knows who she yeah, is.
0: Yeah, we haven't really yeah, talked okay. about her explicitly, but that's sort of the crowd that we talk to. So I assume that they know who Romana Didalo is.
1: Yeah, yeah, she. Keep, I, I listened to the QAnon Anonymous podcast. Yeah, and yeah, uh, us about Yeah. Too. Back around, yeah. I will say, I did not, I was not listening to that during, uh, uh, Trump's presidency because I did not need one more thing to depress me. <laughs> and, uh, but once, once that election was over, then I'm like, I'm an emotional place where I can listen to a podcast about craziest fucking people. You know, it's like when crazy, it's like, you know, uh, you know, like a sex cult under a pizza <laughs> parlor. Oh, yeah. Hold my beer, you know. Uh, Wayfair is selling shelves named Julia, and that's actually a
0: missing child sex slave. That is my favorite. The idea, like, does that mean that they're actually going to ship a child to you from Wayfair? Yes. How does it? That's how does exactly. this even work? This is exactly how it works.
1: there <laughs> are apparently people were like, I'm going to order the ten thousand dollars shelves, All the right. Julia shelves. I'm going to prove I get a sex slave child, and then you'll know. And by, the, by that point, Wayfair is like, we are not
2: taking returns.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead, order. and put it into that right there. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I don't
3: want to take us uh, off topic. Something else that I noticed in, uh, in the book, uh, and I've just noticed in general in, in our research of all sorts of quacks, charlatans, grifters, is Blavatsky – shows up over and over and over again. Uh, she, she's just the, uh, the whack-a-mole of conspiracy theories. Yes, It's more of an open-ended question. <laughs> Have you noticed the same thing?
1: Yeah, H- Helena Blavatsky, she was, I believe, a Russian woman uh, who kind of, kind of like, she started her own quasi-religion called Theosophy. F- yeah, so Richard Sharpshaver's uh, Shaver Mysteries and theosophy are really kind of the two, kind of the two things that everything you watch on the History Channel and just grind your teeth over all come basically traced back back to that. She, yeah, and, and this is why I think the North and the South Pole are uh, figure so hugely in a lot of a lot of kind of you know you know crank ideas today. Is that is that you know yeah that she had this idea of these um, pro- progenitor races that you know we are as humans, sorry, as white people, we are like the... Always,
0: you gotta make sure you have that part of yes, that. Yes. <laughs> it's always the white people. Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> we are the the, you know, the most recently evolved version of these four other races. And 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 if you kind of look back, it's like, yeah, there were like the African people and then, you know, like, they were a less evolved... It, it's, it's, they're, 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 it, there's this racism baked in, but then people will be like, Oh, she was told it wasn't racist. Yeah, yeah the Nazis loved her, but she totally wasn't racist. And
0: um, Yeah, she was so racist she never had to say it because everybody listening to her already understood. Yeah, exa- exactly. And uh, I,
1: yeah, I think one of her orig- very early progenitor races, Thule or something, like some progenitor race that I uh, was like, that rose in Thule and Thule. Today, people think of Thule as being like like the North Pole, but I think Thule was, came to us like, like Greek mythology, and they kind of placed it more around like Scotland or, mm-hmm. you know, as, as we discovered- Way north. Yeah, not This is not Thule, okay?
0: We just kind of just kept moving north. So, yeah, yeah. So, that, that kind of- That ties into the Nazi stuff, too, yes. because uh, I think- uh, and I, I don't know if they're still around, but there's a, there's a Thule society. Yes. Yeah. And, and that, that is part of this sort of a uh, uh, Nazi kind of backstory of, you know, mythological past.
1: Yeah. Yes, yes exa- exactly. Yeah. I believe it was like Him, Himmler was uh, very much into uh, Hitler himself. Not, not so much like, like he kind of yeah. borrowed stuff from it, but yet, but yeah, but definitely uh, like, I believe Himmler was more of the esoteric. Uh, uh, you know, into all this esoteric stuff like like theosophy and and and, and, and
3: sending out the the research parties to India and the something.
0: Indiana Jones sort of Nazi. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes, yes,
0: exa- exa- exactly, exactly. Well, I'm definitely mindful of your time, Carl. I don't want to you know overstay our welcome or anything like that in your world. So, are you know do you do you uh, do you need to wrap things up or we can we, we can go like 15, 20 more minutes if you want. I'm I'm okay to talk about that. Um,
1: yeah, I'm. Okay. It, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm definitely I mean, if you game want to for that. Know, what the hell's going on? What, what
0: Canada? What the fuck happened to you? <laughs> right, yes. Yeah. Have- so let's let's you know let let's do that. We we actually just uh, we recorded a, uh, a a trucker episode a couple oh. of days ago that I'm uh, editing now. So it, it'll it'll be out in a few days. You now, of course, we had to do all the research for that, and we chatted about that. But I would love to hear your take. Yeah. What the fuck is going on in I, Canada? I know. Okay. Well. <laughs>
1: well as i was sort of saying you know, like like our charter of you know rights and freedoms you know basically says this this can be constrained by reasonable law and uh, even even our constitution like you know we've we've got judicial review and you know a, a, a law to be struck down by the courts and say this is not this is a violation of your charter rights or else uh you know or, or like provinces have certain powers that have been delegated to them the federal government have certain powers you know, this is, you know, this is in violation of the powers delegated to the, the province. Right. But even though the court can strike it down, it's called the notwithstanding clause. Then the government can kind of come back and say, yeah, but we, we really, really want to keep doing this <laughs> and ignore the. And and then there's there's other things that it's like, OK, you can keep doing it, but then you're only allowed to do it for the next couple of years. And then we got to look at it again. You know that kind of thing, but but very rarely does governments ever uh, um, um, use the notwithstanding clause. But but yeah, so ul- ultimately, our rights and freedoms are kind of moderated by. We have a philosophy of law, order, and good government. We we, we mm-hmm. assume our government is responsible, reasonable, will not abuse their, their their power. That has always been our view. That is the way our Supreme Court thinks. Our our whole judiciary thinks that you have freedoms but don't go crazy at times and and, um all right so now you'll notice most of these truckers have come from alberta when you hear alberta think of texas this is uh, this is our texas they got oil and gas and cowboys and and uh they drink probably a lot more rye whiskey in alberta (laughs) than maybe texans i don't know what texans drink but uh Jack Daniels, oh rye whiskey, yeah, okay, Right whiskey. Do they drink the yeah. rye? Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay. and Jack Daniels, okay,
0: lots of lots of Budweiser and Michelob. All right, so now we got to roll it back to the
1: 1970s, and uh, uh, before Justin Trudeau, his father Pierre Elliott Trudeau was prime minister back then, and this is during the whole uh, Yom Kippur War, and the price of gas was going up, and Alberta, of course, is pumping oil, and they are making money hand over fist. Provinces have that called the British North America Act that is our constitution and that delegates mineral rights to the provinces. So Alberta enjoys its oil profits, not a problem. Trudeau, Pierre Elliott Trudeau passes this thing called the, Nash, uh, the, the National Energy Policy or the, the National Energy Act or something like that that kind of like taxes um, Alberta oil. So kind of forcing Alberta to share, share the wealth. Albertans are this is 1970. Albertans are freaked out. They're angry. Trudeau is the worst person in the world. They are running around with signs saying, uh, let those eastern bastards freeze in the dark. Like, we should embargo eastern Canada, which is where I am, Ontario. do stop sending them our oil. So, yeah. Now, political memories in Canada are long, very long. We had a left-wing kind of government running Ontario back in the God the late 80s, early 90s. Called the NDP, uh, they were awful. That was like I don't know how many decades ago. I will still not vote for NDP because they were so awful back then. We have very long memories now. A, a Trudeau is in office again, and of course, you know these Albertans are pissed off. So while this Trudeau is not taxing their oil, they are freedoms. You know this Trudeau is now seems to be contravening their their freedoms. Now, transportation is under the federal power. So Trudeau passed law saying, you know, if you want, as a trucker, if you want to come back into Canada, you have to be fully vaccinated. Seems reasonable because already in America, if you want to be a trucker and go into America, you have to be fully vaccinated. So it just seems like you got to be vaccinated to get into America. We assume you're coming back with your truck. So it's, not reasonable. It was just a purely reciprocal kind of law. This freaked them all out. They, you know, they, they, um, saddle up their trucks and then headed out to, um, headed out to, uh, Ottawa to protest. Now there was a trucker protest, I believe during the great depression era. Uh, same thing, Alberta, they were going to truck out all to Ottawa I believe they got as far as Saskatchewan and the RCMP, the, the Mounties. Uh they just started shooting at them, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that was the that was it. So if you want to sort of, the seventies <laughs> were a different time. Yeah. Oh no! This, oh no! No. Well, this was actually this was actually back the 30s. in the uh, back in the uh, uh, the Great Depression when
0: when the oh, first one. Yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. Definitely a different time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So uh, I was getting that mixed up with the uh, the the trucker labor disputes that were going on in the seventies in the yes, U.S. Yes. Oh, and yes. that there were definitely truckers shooting each other yes, exactly uh, yeah same sort of thing but uh
1: now now you also have to understand too is that um, it is very hard for the conservative Party think of the Republican Party but I, I'd like to think not quite <laughs> yet but um uh, they, uh, they, they 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 have a very hard time actually getting elected as uh, a majority government because there's this province called Quebec and if you don't mm-hmm. win Quebec you don't win uh, the a majority and so uh, they have not appealed to Quebec in the last several election cycles. They've not formed the government. So all these Albertans are out there. They've all like, it's just like, you know, it's like, it's like we call them red states. You know, it's you all these red states, sure. right? You know, Alberta is solidly red province. Like, you know, they will, there is not enough rye whiskey in the world to get Alberta to vote in Liberal, a majority liberal government—it's not mm-hmm. ever going to happen. Yet. So, so, so yeah. So they now they just see you know like, and it's a Trudeau, you know, and this is to them it's indignity piled on indignity, and it—it's not mandates, it's not you know, it's not
2: freedom. It's
1: it. They just they just trying to unseat Trudeau. <laughs> they do not want a Trudeau liberal government in power anymore. Y- you lost, like. Three elections in a row. I'm sorry. Uh, find a candidate who can speak French and appeal to Quebec as well. If you want to, if you, want, yeah. if you want to win that. But, but they did. Uh, the Conservative Party did sort of bounce their leader. So we don't technically vote for like our prime minister. Like you vote for your president. We just we just vote for the party. Whatever party right. has the most number of seats forms forms the government. And the parties themselves then pick the leader, and the leader of the party becomes the prime minister, um, or the the head of the you know official opposition, or something something like that. So if a uh, if a leader could be the prime minister, even it's just like the party is just like this guy is just effing up big time. They can they can themselves vote and say he is no longer the leader of the party. He is no longer prime minister, and then put somebody else in power as prime minister or leader of the official opposition. So so yeah, so they got rid of this O'Toole guy after this whole trucker thing. O'Toole was not crazy, I think. I think that was probably he wasn't crazy enough for the crazies in the Conservative Party, but then he wasn't quite like there was just something a little off about him. Like he's like like, look, I'm with a bunch of Sikhs. I love Sikhs. You know, I'm not a crazy racist, you know? <laughs> I have a Sikh friend. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: exactly. I saw a quite, uh, quite a few interviews with with, uh, with O'Toole and that was the thing that definitely stood out just him both sidesing everything yes. yes and he was everybody's friend yes he, he believed in everybody's cause he was that was the most important thing in the world and then he'd go see another group yes. that believed exactly the opposite and he was their best friend. yeah exactly so yeah so they sort of trounced him and uh, they, uh,
1: Candace Bergen she is the, the temporary leader. Like yeah, you know, tr- like mm-hmm. Trump had like at some point like everybody in his government was acting this, acting that, you know. Uh, right. Yeah. So she is the, yeah. the acting leader, but um, and, and so now they have to have another, you know, leadership, you know, vote and actually pick the 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 real leader or something. But what do they called Murphy Murphy Brown shirt? That's the uh, Murphy Brown. That's shirt. the nickname yep. for Murphy Brown. Shirt. <laughs> Candace <laughs> Bergen played Murphy Brown. It, yeah, like I say, it is. It's like. Trudeau, Justin Trudeau passes some sort of emergency act. I, I know it as the War Measures Act. So Justin Trudeau's father passed the War Measures Act in the 70s. There was a, a, a terrorist group called the FLQ in Quebec, and they had sort of kidnapped, they kidnapped the British ambassador, and then they kidnapped, like, I think our deputy prime minister and murdered him. And so it really looked like they were blown up mailboxes and stuff, and and. And so uh, Elder Trudeau, Pierre Trudeau, invoked the War Measures Act, just literally deployed the army. I, I lived it. I grew up in Montreal then, and um, one of these politicians actually lived in Montreal was snatched from his front lawn by the FLQ. So, um, wow. yeah. So growing up, but for there was a brief time where I lived in a very middle class, you know, neighborhood in Montreal where you had government workers. And, and if you drove through my neighborhood, you would sometimes see in, right in front of this house, there are sandbags, and there's two fucking real-life G.I. Joes with their little rifles just standing guard in front of some guy's house. And it, I mean, when you're, I don't know, when you're six or eight or something like that, it's pretty darn cool. But but yeah. Right. But yeah. yeah.
0: but Terrifying for the precedent sets, but... Yes, exactly.
1: So yeah, but they got rid of the War Measures Act and replaced it with this Emergency Act, which kind of removes some of the more extreme powers... Uh, And this was actually put in place by a conservative government, Brian Brian Mulroney. So, uh, you know, so it wasn't like it was like the liberals had sort of just cooked up this law and then gave themselves all these powers. This was actually put into place by a conservative. And uh, we just, you know, the the liberals just happened to use it. Thanks. Again, like I say, you know, Penn Gillette was always very famous for sort of saying that um, whatever power you give your guy, that's going to be great. But remember, the next guy is going to come in and you may not like him, and he's going to have those powers too.
0: We definitely have that going on here. <laughs> you have a president who increases the powers of the presidency in the U.S., and then you have a turnover. And they were uh, there were a lot of pretty pissed off Republicans when Obama took office after Bu- after Bush Junior had expanded the presidency so much. Yeah, exactly. But yeah,
1: but the uh, yeah, I mean these, these truckers have been kind of like the leaders have been sort of arrested. I think. Two of them are still in jail. They've been denied bail. You really sort of see it's like these were the useful idiots, you know that that there is. I I hope they un- turn over some rocks and find the people who picked the useful idiots. But these people were just like get they get on the stand and they're just like they can't keep their story straight. They're evasive, and then the judges are just like. You're just you're just gonna go right back to what you were doing if I let you out on bail. So yeah, we're gonna keep you in jail until you're.
0: So, the one say. that was released. Yeah, Chris Barber was released. Yes, he was released, and then there was a video of him less than two days later. Yeah. Somebody, somebody, uh, he appeared in somebody else's TikTok video, basically just cavorting with a bunch of truckers at a rally point where they were planning to do something, which was a condition of his bail. Yes, yeah, well, exactly.
1: Yeah, because, well, I mean, he, I think, you know, probably he did then screw it for the other two, right? Because, you know, it's like, yeah. I, I mean, it was like the, you know, the Jan 6 people, like, you know, the, I think some judges have sort of woken up to, like, you're going to say all the things I want you to, I want to hear when you are, you know, oh, I'm, you're in court. Oh, worst mistake in my life. I'm so stupid. I'll never do it again. It was a bad time. And the moment they're like, okay, you know, probation. Then they go right on O-N-N and just like, you know.
0: <laughs> right. you know just <laughs> there. Were, one of the guys was told that like condition of his release for, for this lenient uh, release from the charges was – to that, he wasn't supposed to have internet access for a year or something like that. And he was, he was, he had stolen his daughter's cell phone or something like that <laughs> so that he could get online. And, and it wasn't get online and read articles, it was get online and post on Gabs. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like nobody's going to know that he's posting.
1: <laughs> well, I jumped on Twitter or not, sorry, uh, Telegram at some point. God, what did I call myself? Uh, Cicada Patriot or something <laughs> like that. And, uh, oh, how perfect! Yeah, and how I, perfect! And I was claiming uh, I represented the failsafe, so uh-huh. that the failsafe had been activated, and uh, and then you know, like anything that could have popped up in the news, this was the see the failsafe is <laughs> you know that we like, but, but like we are not, we are not working for Trump. But we are the failsafe, <laughs> and, uh, and I, I kind of had a bit of a following, but uh, it was really hard to kind of maintain. It just was like, okay, I'm real bored about this now. But uh.
0: yeah, I don't, I don't think that uh, when they call out things as being false flags or some sort of an op or something like that, yeah. I don't think they realize how boring running an yeah. op is. Yeah, well, yeah,
1: well, I mean that—that's sort of the thing. It's like the. Um, was it the banality of evil, the uh, Eichmann mm-hmm. trial? Like, yeah, you know, these things are not quite as glamorous and as as you think. And sure, if you guys got day jobs, right, you know, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, just no one that my work has any clue what's going on. I cannot see any organization, you know, even if they are being funded by Space Lizard, being able to have this level of confidence. <laughs> yeah.
0: You feel good about this one, Carl? Oh, yeah. You want to wrap yeah, it up? Yeah,
1: great, great. Okay, yeah.
0: All right. Um, w- well, thank you so much for being on the show with us. And why don't you tell everybody where they can find you online? Sure,
1: yes. Okay, yeah. So, well, I do a, a podcast called The Conspiracy Skeptic. Go to yrad.com forward slash CS. I managed to snare like a four-letter domain name back in the uh, early 2000s. I'm like, Y-Rad, uh, Y-Radian, yay, the Y-Radian, you know, like the X-Radius on the on the uh, X-Y graph gets all the attention, but uh, I'm for the, y, the Y-Radius, Y <laughs> Y-Radio. I've been doing that since 2007, right before the 2016 election and until after uh, my my podcasting is a little bit spotty. Conspiracy theories stopped being fun at that point, it's like when... You know, when Alex Jones is, you know, getting White House press credentials, it's like, okay, this is nothing to laugh about anymore. It used to be fun. No. Not fun anymore. So uh, you will notice that uh, once the election is over, I uh, started produce more podcasts. Now I have a book, The Skeptic's Book of Lists, available on Amazon.com. Now I've got a book to promote. I'm putting on a lot more podcasts, it kind of.
3: Which it's more- it's such a it's such a pleasure to read too. It, it, anybody listening should absolutely read it. Uh, I I find myself scrolling through TikTok and Twitter and things like that, but the the little snippets of the book it, of lists makes right. it the perfect scrolling material just as much. I mean, I mean, mine's on a Kindle, so I can scroll literally.
1: I mean, the paper copy is literally to me. It's a like called a bathroom reader. I mean, these days, like I don't think it's not quite as a thing but back in the day you had a bunch of books in your bathroom and yeah and i i would have the, the original book of lists that was i was a favorite bathroom reader so i'm i'm like i'm making a bathroom reader mom be proud of me <laughs> when i sort of see my sales and it's like there's a lot more profit in the ebook uh, so when i see ebook sales i'm like super happy especially if it's america because uh that the, the exchange rate works in my favor. That's real nice. Thank you guys. Uh but but when I but then when I see paperback sales, even though I'm making like a buck and change for every paperback, it's a much nicer form factor. Like it just I gives me a good feeling that people want a nice pay, paper book. But I like I say, I've tried to price it really reasonable. It's like it's it's like four hundred and fifty pages north of two hundred thousand words. It's a it's a big book. But I'm just I'm trying to keep it like I under twenty bucks. You know, my running joke, right, is, is you know, if I, can, if I can make enough for an oil change, I'm going to be happy. It's just, it's just something that keeps me from joining that cult of old
0: man coffee zombies in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to wake up and go to Tim Hortons or you're going to exactly. write another book? <laughs> yeah. that, that's, a, that's a whole other podcast. We'll, we'll deal with that next time.
1: Yeah. Thanks again, Carl. All right. All right, right Thank excellent. You.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Great. Okay, no problem.
0: Thank you for listening to another premium episode of the Wet Wired Podcast. And thank you for your support. It helps make episodes like this possible. You can find us on Twitter at Wet Pod and on our website, wetwired.net.
4: Good evening, CSIS once considered this man one of the most notorious distributors of hate material in the world, and called him the patriarch of the white supremacist movement in Canada. Ernst Zundel has died at the age of 78 in Germany, but for decades he spread his message from a homing Toronto's cabbage town. Do you know who used to live in this house? No, I don't know. Many people wouldn't, but clues to this home's history are still there. Metal gates, bars on the windows. This Toronto house was earned Zundel's for close to 25 years. Known as the bunker, it was a symbol of white supremacy and became a lightning rod in the city. Zundel's home was even firebombed in 1995.
0: There are voices out there clamoring to steal us, to censor us.
4: Zundel, who was a Holocaust denier, faced many court battles in Canada. He was convicted in 1985 of spreading false news, but that was later overturned. He was deported in 2005 after being deemed a security threat for his ties to white supremacist and neo-Nazi groups. Two years later, he was convicted in Germany for inciting hatred.
0: His case demonstrates how difficult it can be to uh, prosecute hate speech uh, within Canada.
4: And little has changed. While the most recent stats from Toronto Police show reports of hate crimes are up 8% over last year, it is rare for investigators to lay hate crime charges. The challenge is the delicate balance of freedom of speech versus hate speech. One exception is Kevin Johnston. The Mississauga man was charged last month with willful promotion of hatred. He's known for online statements about the Muslim community. In order to establish um, uh, a hate speech crime, the crime of hate speech, it's necessary to show both that the speech the individual
0: engaged in was extreme, that it's the kind of speech which would stir up hatred within the community. And the court's been very clear that that's a really extreme emotion.
4: As for Zundel's old house, some wonder if more needs to be done to remember its place in the city's history. What do you think? Should should we should we put the not so savory parts of Toronto's history on a plaque? It's kind of horrifying, but it's also this is a kind of intriguing that that happened here. Do you know what I mean? That this person was here rather than just erasing that. It's interesting to be aware of it. Learn from the lesson? Yeah. In a statement, friends of the Simon Wiesenthal Center for Holocaust Studies said Zundel caused much angst in Canada and noted there has been a marked growth in white supremacism and neo-Nazis in Canada during the past year. At the same time, David Duke, a former KKK leader in the U.S., praised Zundel on Twitter today for defending the European people.